Hello, friends, and however you're listening to this episode of On Grace, we are excited that you are on board with Fred and Barney. Fred Flintstone, Barney Rubble. This uh, this actually works, I think, a little bit better (laughs) than some of the other things. Fred Flintstone. I can get down with Fred and Barney. Yeah. Which one? And which one are you? I I don't really care. Either one will work. You you care? Uh, No, I don't care. I guess Barney has pressure. Well, almost a little bit better looking than Betty. I'll be Fred. Uh, you think so? Uh, you, you like Betty better? I don't know. It's been a while since I've <laughs> compared their attributes. <laughs> <laughs> what about their kids, Pebbles and Bam Bam? Bam Bam's a tr- problem child. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay, so our choices are... Yeah. 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 Pebbles was pretty... Does he have superpowers or something? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. He could pick things up and put them down. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, he, I think he, he became Arnold yeah. in a later life. Yeah, he was pretty strong. He picked his dad up, couldn't he? That's right. I think yep. so. Yeah. And, but Barney wasn't strong. No. No, neither was Fred. They ate a lot. They ate huge steaks. Yeah. Let's be Fred and Barney. I like that idea a lot. <laughs> Big they went bowling steaks. a lot, too. Well, I don't they were care the, much about what that. What was the lodge they were in? The Moose... No, they wouldn't moose. have moose yeah. mooses no, back then. Well, what, 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 they were dinosaurs, saber tooth, uh, mastodon. What would they have back I then? I don't know. We lost. They, they had the the they had the. Uh, I see the hat. Yeah, had the horns coming out the side. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, the uh, the wa- the water buffalo. Water buffalo. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. it. Yeah. So that part skips me. I, I don't. Know. <laughs> the the loyal order of the water buffalo. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, there you go. There it is. Yep. Well, I think I'm supposed to kick it off today. Wayne's sitting over here. Yeah. And he's either Fred or Barney, and I'm either. And I don't know what that makes to be. <laughs> you can be Pebbles. You want to be Pebbles? Why no? Dino. What? Dino. Wasn't that the dinosaur? The little pet dinosaur. <laughs> the pet dog. Yeah. Yeah. Dino. Dino dog. Right. <laughs> who was the Who was the uh, the guy at the at the quarry? What was his his name? He's the only other dude I can think of. <laughs> The boss, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. little remember. little small guy yeah. who yeah. yelled at everybody. Yeah, no, that's not me. No, that's no. not you. That doesn't fit. Anyway, so today we're gonna talk. It's good. We're gonna come in, in the back door with this topic. But um, a couple of Sunday nights ago in Pathway, I was talking about guilt, and guilt is like any other emotion, be it fear or depression or grief or whatever. It's God given. It's an indicator. It's a gauge, like a temperature gauge in your car. And uh, if you want to use that metaphor, that analogy, uh, temperature gauge, if it's running really, really cold, um, you do something silly, stupid, whatever, It's it, you have regrets. It's like, oops, we, we, we'll figure out a way to fix that, and we'll avoid it next time. If it's running really hot, you've got shame, which is, I'm a terrible, awful person. I'm sorry for existing. In the middle, you have guilt, which is the normal emotion you have when you figure out or it comes to your attention that you've done some kind of harm or damage to God's creation, another person, yourself, a relationship, whatever. So guilt is a normal thing, and it morphs easily into shame in in most people. And so uh, we got to just exploring that and why why does it go to shame? Why does it get, why does it seem to ramp up like that? And one of the conclusions we came to was that we as humans have a really hard time with our, with not being perfect. 
uh, as if that's something we ought to be but can't be. And we explored for just a few seconds, which we talked about on uh, uh, on this podcast before, how perfection was never God's idea. That when God created, he said it was good. He never said it was perfect. And it's it's impossible to imagine that Adam and Eve lived even prior to the fruit incident uh, in a perfect existence. They made mistakes, had to, stubbed their toes, spilled the fruit, gave each other wrong directions to, you know, the big tree where you find the real tasty nuts or whatever. You know, had had disagreements, had uh, no doubt even had some, some debates and arguments. So perfection is an idea that we've put on Eden, which the Bible doesn't even talk about. The story never talks about it. God said it was good. He didn't say it was perfect. Enter the evil one. He is the one that introduced the idea of perfection. That, you know, you can be more than this. You can be like God. And so um, we bit that one, and boom, we've been in this fix ever since. So what what we kind of want to talk about today is um, we've talked for all these sessions about God's love for us how full it is, how rich it is, how it's unconditional, knowing full well that most everybody would be conceptually be on board with that, but experientially say, no, probably not me. I just don't feel God's love for me. And really what that is is a left-handed, well, that's bad on South Pauls. That's not a good way to say it. That's a an inaccurate way of saying, um, no, not inaccurate, but it's it's kind of a subtle way of saying, I really have a hard time allowing God to be God. God wants to love you unconditionally. Well, I, I can't let that happen. So we're, it's, it's almost like I'm not good with God being God. I can't let him be who he is and do what he wants to do. And so we've kind of scratched our heads and like, how do we get this across to where people experience this, that God really loves them? And, and the bottom line is, how do we get people to allow God to be God? How do we do that? And it hit me during the lesson that, that I was teaching on, on guilt that we can't allow God to be God because we can't really allow ourselves to be human, that we can't allow ourselves to be imperfect, that we have this perpetual dissatisfaction with ourselves because we're not perfect and we were never intended to be perfect. But somewhere along the line, maybe y'all can help me, somewhere along the line, we have this idea that we, if we're not perfect, we at least need to be striving for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a, there's there's this this idea that uh, if the story started out perfect, then there's nothing to add to it. Mm. But when, if we talk about this idea of the creation being good, then it has all kinds of potential for development and mm. to discover and to become which seems much more like a creative god who would set the story in motion and then put himself in that story not stand back from it but puts himself in that story uh, to be part of it i think Mm. that's part of what it means for his unconditional love is that he creates all these possibilities and opportunities for humanity uh, and steps into it with us. And yeah, those possibilities and those opportunities include hurting each other. Mm. Uh, but built into that is his, is this very human, natural uh, feeling of guilt. Mm. We think about God speaking to us, and we want God to speak to us. Well, he speaks guilt to us because that's God calling us back. It's mm. that natural warning signal that we've 
that we've hurt somebody or something and and we have the opportunity for reconciliation and for forgiveness which are really good parts of the story that we never would have experienced and so i think that that's where the grace uh, is god's presence in all these things that might happen um, as the story unfolds and and that you know there's nothing wrong with being human we were created human uh, and so we shouldn't be ashamed of that and part of that is these un uh, these imperfect places but also the opportunity to experience this unconditional of love love of God that those create mm. it's our imperfections that create those opportunities yeah well yeah it and that well then it gives us opportunity to practice unconditional love with each other yeah you hurt me but guess what i still love you yeah and and isn't isn't it interesting that you can watch a movie or a tv show or whatever and inevitably if they have conflict you when you come to that reconciliation scene it it gets you every time it's like you knew it was coming this is the way this right. show always goes. Yeah. But yeah, when it ha- it gets you every time. Right. Because it resonates with something deep inside you yeah. that says, yeah, this is part of being human. And it's a beautiful part of being human, but we short-circuit it when we, well, we do it several ways. One is by trying to be perfect, but the other was, is to let our guilt degrade into shame. Right. And, 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 and we begin to loathe ourselves as a failure because we're simply failures. There's a huge difference. Right. We're going to f- be failures until we die, but we're, that doesn't mean we're failures. Right. Yeah. Don't you wait. I, I played with the you there. Did like that? <laughs> yeah. I'm, um, I'm wondering about the difference between like guilt as a um, emotional gauge versus or maybe guilt versus imperfection like guilt as an emotional gauge uh versus like i see um a a man with you know rock hard abs and i'm like oh i don't i don't have that and so i'm falling short so therefore i'm not desirable or lovable or whatever i don't think that's what you said but Mm -mm. Or if that's yeah. what you had in mind. I know, mm. yeah, Wendell, you're very concerned with abs, but uh. <laughs> yeah, you can tell by looking. <laughs> Mine are well developed, so well you can't distinguish one from the other or whatever. They're in community. <laughs> yeah, they're in community. <laughs> I have community abs. <laughs> good. I think you have to have a level of even like a level of health to deal with guilt in a healthy way or to right. deal with imperfection in a healthy way. And so I guess my question is, or my struggle is like, how do you even get to that baseline level health, that baseline level of health? Because if you don't have that, then you can't appropriately process guilt. Right. If that makes sense. It, to, to, this is the hard part of this whole thing is you have to ask yourself the question, which needs to come first, the chicken or the egg? Right. Do 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 you, because I don't think you ever have a healthy view of guilt before until you understand that you are completely and absolutely loved by God. Not in your head, but in your heart. You know that. Then then your emotion takes lands on a, in a healthy place. Yeah. But how are you going to know that God really loves you if you loathe yourself with shame? It, the, go yeah, ahead. I think there's this, I think uh, when we are convinced or believe that God loves us, 
guilt doesn't feel like uh, until then it feels like punishment. Yes, it feels like he's giving us a whipping or yeah. whatever. But if, when we believe that God loves us and get to that place, then that guilt is, hey, come back home. Yes, there's something between us. Let's get this reconciled or or forgiven or whatever needs to happen, uh, so that we can be closer, and and so that you know that that feeling uh, is perceived differently in our heads. Until then, guilt is is just about coming short. It's just about I'm not good enough. It's like it's God reminding me that I'm not good enough that I messed up instead of feeling that and hearing that invitation back to to draw closer if that makes sense i wonder i wonder if it'd be fair to i mean this is a really good question you ask i think it i think you think it'd be really be an interesting question to follow up with to say okay the prodigal son was in the pig pen eyeing the pig food and and the, the story says he came to his senses does that look the same with everybody when you come to your sense, it all the stars line up in your heart and your mind. Boom. Okay, now I get it. I have a father who loves me. I have this possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, right? I don't know that it would happen identically with everybody. Yeah. But there has to be that moment. And I think we had an episode on some time back about the timing aspect of this. Yeah. That why. Why after, suppose you sat and listened to 50 lessons on God's love for you. And the 51st time, all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I get it. Yeah. I, I don't know why, why, I don't yeah. know why that happens. Yeah. And, and maybe uh, in response to that, to that question, um, is do we feel guilty because we're not as good as somebody else? Uh, do I feel guilty because I'm, I'm not perfect and what I did was the best I could do, but still not good enough? Or is that guilt about uh, what that does in my relationship between God and myself and other people in myself? Does it make me more distant? Does it create a gap there or a place where I have to pretend uh, where there's that, you know, elephant in the room that we don't talk about? And and I think that's where health comes in is this this acceptance that uh, we are all different we all have, you know, if you think about it, um, who would you trade lives with? You know, I don't, there's nobody I would trade my life with hmm. because I don't know what their secrets are and what their hurts are. I know mine and uh, and have come to, to have some. And so there's not, that for me helps with that guilt of not being like someone else because I know everybody has their hard places. Um, and for me that, that, uh, is a source of comfort and health, I think, that this is the life I have, my story, that I uh, that I live out and have the opportunity. And so when, I, when that guilt comes, it's not that I'm not as good as somebody else or not as uh, competent as they are or success, successful, but instead it is, you know, how does this impact the relationships that I have and what, what is it that that the Holy Spirit is trying to show me that can make my relationships better. The, um, the fact that we're sitting and talking about this and they, we persistently talk about this kinds of thing, these kinds of things, and we invite e- other people into this exploration and into the conversation, 
I think that is is the initial step toward healing. If if you know you you ask the question about healing, you have to talk about it. You have to become aware of it. You have to ba- process it in company, not alone. Well, maybe some alone, but you in company where you bounce ideas, and and I think that's knowing is a huge part. Yeah. Just knowing, being informed. Right. Yeah, I think community is a huge part of that. Yes. That we 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 are we can be way too subjective, and we need to hear the other voices in our lives. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of On Grace. My name is Jason Brown, and I've been hanging out with Wendell Van Valen and Wayne Hunter. We serve together at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky.